0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective to what is maybe the last or second to last election Tuesday of this season, that is (laughs) looking forward to the midterms. Well, anyway, that's just American politics. For all I know, there's a British election coming up two months from now, and I had no idea, but I'm sure you guys will let me know because we are broadcasting out of the Ayn Rand Center UK and British politics is what we care about most. I'm joking, of course, or I should say exaggerating. Anyway, enough with my famous long opening monologue. Let's get to the topic. The case for not voting. You know, I'm reminded of the uh, late comedian, George Carlin. He he would go on these long rants when he was on stage. and, And one time he said something along the lines of, people say, oh, if you didn't vote, then you can't complain. No, the opposite is true. If you did vote, you can't complain. I don't vote, so it's not my, don't blame me. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's that's one way to look at it. How about instead of, uh, you know, there used to be bumper stickers, like when Bush was president, I saw bumper stickers that said, don't blame me, I voted Kerry. And there's probably adaptations of that now, like, uh, don't blame me, I voted Hillary. How about just, don't blame me, I didn't vote. Of course, uh, I'm simplifying the issue a lot, but here to help us understand it way better is a man who... Complexity has never made him afraid. A guy who hails from Greece itself and is currently in the belly of the beast, England. And let's just yeah. say his name is easy to pronounce. Nikos Sotirakopoulos.
1: Thank you. So to destroy this Americanocentric thing, the mm. first country that you found, don't blame me, I voted for X, I think was in the UK during the Thatcher year. So. Virtue signaling started with Labour voters who said, don't, vote, don't blame for me, I voted Labour. Anyway, so voting, yes or no. So I think we live in times where cynicism about voting should be on a peak, specifically in the UK, because one year ago, people voted for a supposedly, quote, neoliberal party, a party that would be the opposite from Corbyn, who would bring socialism, and it's the party that brought us everything from banning plastic straws to one of the strictest lockdowns. So I understand what people say. Look, if you vote, it makes no difference. And before the beginning of the show, the producer, uh, Razi reminded us this famous statistic which says that you have more chances of, uh, to, to knock on wood, uh, dying driving to the voting booth that, rather than your vote changing the elections. And there are all these libertarians arguing that says, for example, I mean that's the craziest one here I've heard which says if you vote, you violate the if you, vo- if you vote, you violate the, the NAP, the non-aggression principle, or it says something like uh, it says something like if you vote, you legitimize the state. So let's, let's start with that. So let's say you have two, bad options? Because obviously if you have a good option, you go and, and vote unless again you are, we are in weird libertarian territory. So you have two bad candidates. So is it legit to say if you vo- if you don't vote for each one of them, whatever happens, you can't complain because you didn't vote. So is this narcissism thinking that you, you play a much bigger role than you do or is it something like well there is something to this argument how do you see this
0: i mean it's a bit of a silly thought exercise about is it more your fault or less your fault or should i mean anyway we all have to live with the results of the election whether uh it's our fault or not you know um none of us asked to be born in this particular culture obviously if everyone agreed with you and myself. They would basically agree on the fundamentals and they would just have to argue about certain things such as, you know, maybe uh, the uh, war policy or uh, maybe immigration, just like little things. But uh, I mean, not little, but relatively surface level policy, as opposed to the fundamentals, which is what what is the purpose of government? Um, I mean, look, it's it's your fault. I mean, you got you have to live with the results no matter what. Right. So. The question of should you vote or not is not, are you going to get blamed later or not? I was, I was quoting Carlin for some uh, comedic value and it's kind of thought provoking, but at the same time, it's, it's not. And that's kind of what you get with a lot of comedians. They sort of look at things from a somewhat different angle, but it's ultimately not really moving the needle. So, um. The question of should you vote or not is like what? What are what is your vote um, going to bring about? Although I know there's there's probably more to it. Like, are you sanctioning this candidate by voting for them? But well, then what does that mean? Like, what what is the significance of sanction if no one no one but you knows who you voted for, right? Like, no one but you knows. Let's say you vote for Trump because Biden is so bad, or vice versa. If no one but you knows you voted or knows what who you voted for. Then it, it is, it, it are you making the world a worse place by Trump, let's say, getting that many more votes? Like, wouldn't it just be better if there was a low voter turnout to send? Doesn't that send a certain message to both candidates and, and everything like that? So, um, good question. So, here's how I would another way to see it. So, a
1: lot of people are saying, yeah, they're both bad, but uh. Yeah, so don't vote. I think there is such a thing as levels of evil, so to speak. So I remember back in the day when I was uh, living in Canterbury to commute to work, there was a there was a hill. People who know the Canterbury campus of the university can will know that. And with my then girlfriend, sometimes we had walking there because it would take like half an hour. We'd have the we would have weird thought experiment discussions, and one of them was in which dictatorship would we have more chances to survive? So would it be Stalinist Soviet Union, for example, or the Nazi Germany? So you could make the case that, yeah, I prefer, I'd rather live, for example, in socialist Yugoslavia rather than in Soviet Union, or I'd rather live in Franco-Spain rather than in Nazi Germany. This doesn't mean that, yeah, I sanction Franco-Spain. So I think if you think that one is slightly better than the other, it's okay to wish for that result. And also, something which is, unfortunately, in the times we live in, there is a case that in the short term, a result could be better for you. So it could be a a particular policy, like a particular tax cut. Of course, in the long run, with bad politics, we're all equally doomed. But I could see the case where you could go and vote. But for me, the two main levels is, do you go and vote and openly declare this, or do you go and vote and campaign for this? Because that could make some difference. I know a person who, when we were discussing some years ago, he told me, look, if I tell people what I'm going to vote, I'm going to be in trouble. Therefore, he said, I'm not even going to go and vote because what's the point of going to vote if I cannot openly tell people I'm I'm voting for that? So to be honest, in these elections, I would probably go and vote but I wouldn't actively campaign for someone because one is slightly better than the other, but not good enough in terms that I'm going to sanction it. Then the question becomes, why do you do it? Is this this tribalist thing that I want to have a horse under the race so that the night of the election is fun? Or is this illusion that we bought into the democracy idea that your vote makes a difference? To be honest, I, I haven't rationalized that. And I use the term in the... Usual way to use, not the objective way. So I don't know which is of the two it is. Maybe because I grew up in a very politicized environment, I still see the elections day almost as you know a party. You know, would have people around, order pizzas or nice you know food. What's it's it's like watching the Champions League final in some ways in Greece. Or so maybe I still have this feeling inside me.
0: I mean, elections have gotten pretty uh, fun worldwide i know i've definitely looked forward to seeing who wins in the past but i'm i'm getting less and less excited about the whole thing i find it less and less fun as time goes by maybe i'm just getting getting old or maybe it's uh the candidates are getting that much worse it's hard to say um and i don't see it so much as like do i want to live in fascist spain or in communist russia it's more like which um step can buy the most time uh and and thwart an an impending authoritarianism of any kind which one can buy the most time and then you need then you get really strategic about it you're like okay so if we have a democrat president and a republican congress they'll be gridlocked and the democrat will get blamed for all the bad stuff that happens which means that capitalism will be on the table again because the the anti-capitalist party was in charge when it happened you know all these strategic things, which, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, there may be a science to it, but it's certainly not my particular area of knowledge. And, um, I don't really think that much about it. I think probably it's just a question of, um, I guess either which one will do less harm right now, or, or, you know, well, here's, well, here's how it's been this, this election cycle. I've been hearing objectivists and I think I agree with this and, and a lot of people get upset at this, it sends a, a powerful message to Republicans for Trump to lose. It would tell them this whole populist craze, you know, interesting idea, but it's time to uh, file this one and, and try something different. That, that's the message I think people should send to the Republican party because um, this is bad.
1: Well, I would disagree here because <laughs> is this the message then we need the, the next Mitt Romney? Because that—that's what, what else has the Republican Party shown us in the last many elections? So that's one point of view. Here's the accelerationist point of view. So here is like my dirty Marxist past coming back to haunt mm. me. How about you, you vote not tactically, but strategically on a meta level? For example, the only reason why I'm going to be happy if Biden wins is because, not for what you said, not for buying time. I want the opposite. I want the process to be accelerated. Here's what would happen. So you have all this narrative that says that Trump is a white supremacy, quasi fascism, more for some other people, real fascism. He's going to create concentration camps, whatever, he's colluded with the Russians, whatever we heard. Now you have all these people who've invested all this energy to bring down Trump. And now they find themselves with a relatively woke president. They find them. So now they get what they want, more or less. So now what are they going to do? They're going to say, okay, now we pack things up and we go back home. No, the cultural revolution needs to go to the next level. And I'm really curious what the next level is going to be. And it will be very fun to watch it, parenthesis, fun to watch it from an ocean away. But I'm really curious what will be the case so i see this issue not in terms of i want to buy time i want to say i want to see the seeds that were the seeds that were uh, planted i want to see these things to come to fruition and that's not to say brothers you've asked for it but that's because i think this is a good chance to push things forward so in some way if trump wins we have four years of more or less the same Culture wars, resistance, woke people telling you to, to vote. By the way, that's another issue I want to come back. This whole wo- vote thing. Whereas we know very well that when you see a celebrity telling you vote, for example, we saw LeBron uh, coming out with, the, with a t-shirt that said vote. That's actually telling you vote. What I'm telling you to vote which is obviously Democrats. I remember here's another last story and then I throw the ball back to you. I remember in the UK election last year, all the academics were like, we need to push students to vote. And again, the, the understanding, the, the kind of wink of the eye was, we need to tell them to vote Labour or to vote Green. So yeah, there's also this virtue signaling around voting. But anyway, so two things on the table. One, the strategic thing that if Biden wins, the resistance is going to have to devour Basically, themselves. Two, if you want to comment on this thing, vote thing. By the way, the producer is telling us we misquoted this thing about the statistics. We
0: we misquoted him. We misquoted him.
1: Oh, I misquoted him. But anyway, I checked it online. You're just as likely to die en route to vote than to impact the election. This means that there's more chance for you to have a car accident than... There is one vote that's going to decide the election, and it's your vote. Now, this doesn't say much about the principle or what voting is about. I'm just throwing it out there, so just to make sure I didn't uh, I didn't misquote our beloved Lord Emperor. Anyway, back to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, a, a moral decision is not really about it, how is this going to impact the world, right? And I know the whole point of an election is that it impacts the world that impacts who's who's president otherwise there's no point in voting but I mean there is a right and wrong decision maybe when it comes to like who to vote for so yeah your vote is not going to sway probably the election but there's more ways to uh, that your vote counts such as the number of votes that are counted so le- again if Trump let's say wins but hardly anyone voted that sends a certain message to the to the machine And if there's record turnout and Trump wins, that that's that shows some enthusiasm for Trump. So there is that consideration as well. Uh, You know, you're like uh, you're kind of a new you're kind of the new kid on the block, right? Like you discovered Ayn Rand, what, like six months ago or something? I'm exaggerating. (laughs) But it was like the last few years. It was like five years ago or something. You've been on board and you're learning very fast. But there's no substitute for actually being there and experiencing the world. There was a time before Trump. It's hard to explain to it's hard to explain to you kids. There was a world before Trump. So I don't like you know you mentioned oh so so Trump is out. What does that mean? We go to Romney? Maybe I mean as much as I dislike uh, what Romney represents, this sort of um, um, kind of soulless soulless defense of capitalism and individual rights or or constitu- the Constitution. It's I I don't know, arguably that was better than having this gratuitous, gleeful rejection of all principles, which is to say the rejection of reality itself, which is the sense I get from Republicans today. And um, they've all all the congressmen under Trump's leadership under his banner have become anti-trade. You know, guys like uh, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio have thrown capitalism under the bus and they were originally elected to defend the free market and property rights. And that that was their, they were like Tea Party candidates, I believe, both of them, and and many others. They've all become pro-tariff, pro-Trump, and the only thing they're passionate about anymore is abortion and immigration. So... You say, oh, what, should we go back to Romney? I don't know, maybe. I mean, we all hated Romney, but like compared to Trump, I mean, the people on the left say this, and I think uh, capitalists like myself also say this, like maybe, you know, careful what you wish for. Careful what you wish for when you say death to Buckley, you know, death to Buckley, burn the National Review, enough of conservatism as we know it. Time, it Time to look, time to look to a new way. Well, careful what you wish for, because the Republicans have taken a new direction And it's not uh, in the in the it's not in the direction of capitalism. Sadly enough, it is uh, moving away from capitalism, away from individualism. And they're still cozy with religion, in fact. So their religiosity is no longer even tamed by any lip service to the Constitution. Now, religion is just like, you know what? We need we need some values. We need some uh, we need something to guide us. Let's just impose religion on the country. That's the sense I get from young Republicans young Republicans. That's who you should be looking at. Look at the young. They are the future. And what I, what I, what I see from the young is just a gleeful disregard for rule of law, a gleeful disregard for the constitution, for principles, certainly for individualism. It's uh, the the tribalism that Trump brings is just horribly disheartening to see. So I don't know if, if Romney is who I want to like hold up as we need to return to this, but the way things were before Trump, uh, I'm getting a little bit homesick for. I'm getting a little bit uh, nostalgic, let's say, for the way things were before Trump. And it's hard to explain to someone who was uh, who was never like fighting for capitalism before Trump was, was on the scene.
1: No, that's true. I was never fighting for capitalism before Trump was on the scene. But at the same time, I remember the Buckley conservatives. I remember Bush. I remember Romney. I remember the bailouts, I remember the humanitarian interventions. No, that was Clinton but they voted for it. I remember the bring democracy to the Middle East. So I'm not going to be convinced that Trump is exceptionally worse than the neocons or than the pragmatists or than Boris Johnson. Anyway, so let's 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 well,
0: you know I, you know, what's interesting. And I've been thinking about this. I, I mean, coming from objectivist thinkers, there's the there's the seeming kind of impossibility to please any an objectivist, because on one hand, an objectivist might say, look, we, we need the closest thing we can get to, to capitalism, the closest thing we can get to principle, the rule of law, whatever we can take right now. Let's take it buy some time. On the other hand. As soon as a Republican does anything right, we go, "Oh, great! Now they're giving capitalism a bad name. They're affiliating capitalism with religion, so it's making things worse." So I understand. I'm 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 very difficult to please, as you can see. I'm a malcontent. When Republicans do anything remotely correct, I say, "Well, now this gives capitalism a bad name because it's affiliated with crazy Republican religious nutjobs jobs and nationalism and all these things." On the other hand, when I see Republicans decisively rejecting things that i value i go oh this is bad we got to get back to uh something closer in the right direction so i get it i think i I understand i'm impossible to please and uh we are quite in a hole sorry to interrupt you back to you no i
1: wasn't saying anything so uh i I, i'm thinking of whether i should close with a super gloomy thing that because we as students of objectives we understand that it's a battle of ideas that's going to consider things of course, nothing is predetermined, but see what's coming from the schools, the universities. So, dear conservatives, what is coming is a tsunami, right? Now, you might win this time and you think it's all demographics or whatever the Trumpian rhyme thinks. No, no, no. It's the, it's ideas that count. It's ideas that have consequences. So. Instead of dealing with uh, demographics, start dealing with what are the ideas, how how are the quote demographics of ideas being structured in the United States? So see, for example, what are the ideas of the kids in the universities, of the kids in school, and that should be your emphasis. So yeah, maybe, maybe Trump is better than Biden, who knows? But even if you win now and you have four more years, if you fight the battle of ideas the way you fight it now, then it's all doomed. If your battle of ideas is owning the lips by uh, appropriating their policies, for example, in terms of monopolies or megacorporation or social media, whatever, then things are going to be really, really bad. Anyway, penultimate election Tuesday, last election Tuesday next week. By the way, I'm not putting you on the spot now. Uh, do you want us to do predictions next week? Do you feel comfortable doing a prediction?
0: I guess. Uh, I mean, we're not even going to know the results. Yeah, we're not even going to know. F- yeah, not 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 gonna know. I'll, I'll, I'll make a prediction a week from now, I mean, for whatever it's worth. Um, I'm just afraid of, like, what this year is bringing us, you know? like, um, Like, I have a feeling the results won't be in for a while. They'll be contested. It'll turn violent. What if the violence in the streets is just ridiculously high and what can that spell out in addition to that damage to people's lives and property what can that spell out for the political process like uh before a strong man comes in and just completely uh puts an end to the uh, street violence there's just so much that can go wrong with this this is bad this is very bad
1: and i have a machiavellian answer on what this could bring about but Mm. i'll keep it to myself for now anyway thank you very much uh Election is not the most inspiring thing in the world, but someone has to do it. Anyway, see you tomorrow with more inspiring stuff. Bye-bye.